This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. If I was better at typing with my thumbs, I would have this done already, but I'm, I'm still not as fast as I need to be. It is now mm, almost done. If you hadn't seen what happened to us last time we were here at the Grand Theater, I'm sharing that video right now on Twitter. Who knows what's going to happen? You never know what's going to happen when you come to the Grand Theater. The one thing you're guaranteed is you'll be entertained. And we're going to talk about Grow. We're going to talk about Honor Beat and a few other things because we are joined by the artistic director here at the Grand Theater, Dennis Garnum. How are things? Awesome. Now that you're here, thanks for being here. Well, you make it awesome. I'm telling you. (laughs) Last night, a news release comes out, and it kind of shows off success here and how this is now spreading across the country. Can you tell us about Cabaret and what's happening? Kind of big news for us. Uh, You know, about six months ago, eight months ago, we did a production of Cabaret in McManus' studio downstairs. I directed it. It was immersive. It was this very cool production that was done. And we thought we'd just do it like three weeks. It'll be fine. It'll be fun. It's going to be kind of cool. People like it. That extended for six weeks, which is record-breaking. The longest-running show in the history of the McManus downstairs, which is awesome. But what we didn't tell people was a lot of people from across the country got very interested in the show and they started flying in to see it they, they were like I've heard about it I'm, like I'd look over and I'm like why is he here like I've just flown in from I can't tell you the city um, and they would they were like and at the end of the show they'd say we want the show and it was like okay and then two and then three and then we're like I think we have a tour so we announced late last night that the cabaret is coming back to the Grand it'll be back in our studio next year but it's also going to be a total six city tour going across the country and it's going to be running for about eight months across the country and it, everywhere it plays it will be the Grand Theatre production of Cabaret how amazing which is, is that? amazing congratulations so, thank you I'm very excited very excited so Give us a sense for someone who doesn't know, and I'm going to admit I'm one of those guys who doesn't know a lot about cabaret. What exactly am I witnessing if I were to be watching it in front of us right now? Well, there's, you know, the Liza Minnelli made it famous with the movie. It was on Broadway a very long time ago. And okay. now, so we're now revising it. So that it's, it's, it is set in a cabaret. And the idea is it's set during uh, uh, the onslaught of um, um, Hitler and he's arriving and all those things, right? So there was a time in Germany when life was th- worth living and fun and exciting and you saw nothing but hedonism and joy and excitement. But, and then that precious, um, terrible time when, uh, you know, the world starts to change and leaders of our world start doing things they shouldn't be doing. Sound familiar? Um, and all of a sudden, great countries become less great countries and liberties are being taken away and um, they get slipped from uh, on, uh, in front of our very eyes. So Cabaret uh, is about that time in German history, but we thought it was really relevant to the world we live in in certain countries very close to us that are going through the same horror when we're watching, you know, all of their liberties being taken away. So Cabaret is set in a cabaret. It's a lot of fun. And then it just slips into kind of this darkness and terror by the end of the show. So um, what was different about our production is we set it in the studio theater. So there was no stage. There's a bunch of tables and you acted on the tables and you never knew who would sing to you, where, why and how. And our incredible cast played all plays all the instruments. So we have, uh, you know, um, Sally Bowles, famous Sally Bowles in our production she also plays the cello and the piano 
while singing. So we've got so it's very exciting and very surprising. So this new production uh, w- was noticed because of that, because of all the talent, because they can do all that, and it's in your face and it's joyful and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so because of it, um, we will then bring this – we're going to bring everybody back that we can and we'll then lift it and we'll send it. We can't say the cities because what's happening is, is all, the th- all the companies have their own announcements. We've actually not announced our shows next year except for Cabaret today. Um, and so as the companies announce their season, we will reveal these other five companies. So last night, what tipped it off was Alberta Theatre Projects in Calgary, Alberta. Have, have announced that was the, that's the big finale of their season next year is our production so that's one and there's two and then we've you know four more to go really yeah four great other cities uh, in that have really great environments so it'll be environmental the way it was here and immersive it'll be you know we had to find places that would take our quirky show um, and you, you when 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 we are finished this story and you actually learn where we're going it's really um, overwhelming because um, these are great theater companies and I just love the idea that the Grand Theater will be represented across the country Dennis Garnham joining us artistic director at the Grand Theater so cabaret going across the country more announcements to come as theaters present their Stage schedules. Now, you mentioned without a stage. Are they doing this without a stage at all these stops? Correct. It's environmental. So some theaters are ripping out their seats. Some are taking it in their studio theaters. Yeah, it's very... So part of our organizing was to figure out if we could actually fit because it's very unusual. So we've been working quietly for six months on this because the other thing about a tour is it has to line up because the way you employ artists, you can't say, okay, we're done. You have to take two weeks off. We can't pay you. It has to keep being, uh, it has to go on. So lining up saying, hey, this city, you can you line up and close on this date so that city can take that thing? And then we have to figure out the truck. So the truck closes, you know, the show closes and all the scenery goes because the thing about it is everything about the show is us. So it's our production, our team. So not only are you going to see our actors, you're going to see our scenic artist work, our costume work, our production people work. So it's, it really is, you know, every time we set it up, we're going to be setting it up uh, six times. It's going to be our team setting it up, right? So it's a lot, a lot of logistics, a lot of logistics. How did you ever make that work? Because you could lose <clears throat> actors, you could lose setup crew, you could lose anybody to the fact that, yeah, well, we, we do have a two-week break here. Is that okay? Can you find somewhere to go? So how did you even do it? Yeah, well, it was, you know, it's new to us. It's not something we've ever done in the history of the Grand. And so part of it was uh, we the first thing we did was we went out to all the artists and said, can you just hold your whole year? We're not sure where we're going, but just hold on. We think this is going to happen. And we did that six months ago. And then so, you know. And you're being serious right now. You, <laughs> you, you gave them a call. Yeah. Yeah. We said, you know, let us know if you think you don't want to do it. But we, the other thing that I think is very important for the story is that we've said yes to everybody who's been on the project. They're all going to be invited. They may, some, some actor may not ultimately want to do it because of a conflict or something but at this point as we're still you know signing up people the offer is to everyone and um, so far everyone is very interested in doing it so um, yeah so we had to do that and so again it was literally like this city says January now they're saying March and you know and, but it's part of the fun um, and so we will be coming back to the Grand right in the like near the end in the middle of like next winter so uh, we'll have we'll kind of warm it up in some other cities and then bring it back home. How often have you worked on productions that don't have a stage? Uh, never. 
this is kind of it. Uh, yeah. So well, how did you visualize uh, this? It was a crazy... It all came back... Came. It all started with McManus. So we have our studio theater downstairs, and a lot of people don't go down there. They don't know what it's all about. And, you know, I grew up here in London, and I've always thought it was a magical room. And so I said, I want to do something that pulls people in. And we thought, let's do something people will recognize, like cabaret, but let's uh, do it differently. So they really are surprised. So people... And this is how we did it last time. We'll do it again. Is the audience was actually... They don't enter from the stage, the theater door. They actually enter backstage and they go through the dressing rooms which we painted we've had neon lights so you get the life of a cabaret the actors are already you know they're getting dressed they're putting on makeup so you get to interact with them there's a bar open backstage and then you get shot into the theater which is backwards what i loved what happened was the audience got very turned around people could not figure out where the door was like by the end of it at the end we said you could go this exit this way and they're like i don't understand what that door means anymore so that was part of the goal so it all came out of an idea of um reigniting a room so it was out um and so then I just kind of what happens is I kind of come up with these crazy ideas and then I have to figure them out to, to answer your question. I was like, I don't know. You know, the only thing I knew is I didn't want a stage. I didn't want to say we were in immersive and not immersed. So then we started saying, well, how many? Okay. So li- literally it starts and the audience is like, you said it was immersive and they're immersing. They're kind of taken aback. Like they stand on all the tables. There's no stage. So um, it just kind of became... A lot of fun. It could become a fun, fun challenge. Even more fun because we're going where the places we're going are different shapes. So it's actually going to open up. Hey, what if we do this here? And in this city, we'll do it like this. And in that city, we'll do it like that. And is that what started drawing attention from other? theaters and people coming from those theaters say, do you hear what they're doing in London? They come through the dressing rooms. Everybody's getting ready, and and then they go up. Is that what they wanted to come and see ultimately? What they're telling me, because you know, like like uh, every now and then I'm a little bit humble, Mike. The, like I just put on the play the best I could imagine it. But what they tell me is it's a very innovative way of doing it, right? So um, uh, you kind of very quickly, about three minutes into it, what I love is about three minutes into the show, you can, the audience goes, this is not your typical cabaret. It's way more fun, and I don't know what's going to happen. You know? And so again, by the end of the piece, it's very moving and disturbing is beyond belief, and it really sh- hurts people even harder because they had so much fun. So when you realize, it's like, well, we told you at the beginning that life is a cabaret, and that be careful what you wish. Um, so I think that was the, the impression was it was just a very, very, very different way of seeing this musical. And the, it's cabaret. The music's amazing, right? The songs are incredible. So it's already a cool show. It's just made... I think it's one of the things, one of our goals here at the Grand is when we do something familiar, like Mary Poppins we just did at Christmas. So it was our goal to make sure it wasn't like everybody else's Mary Poppins. How so? You know the director Megan Watson. She came up and envisioned with her team this very imaginative fantasy world that was very different than most productions do. And that's part of my challenge or my excitement about being here is how can we show you something different? So sometimes because we're going to talk a lot today about new work and new shows that are coming up and they're brand new that people won't know. That's the other thing. So one hand, I'll give you a cabaret unlike you've ever seen or a Mary Poppins. On the other hand, we have Honor Beat that is a brand new place, second time it's ever been done in the world, grow brand new, never been seen before. So I want to really kind of keep whetting the appetite of surprise and delight. Well, if you'll hang around just through news, can we talk about those two productions? Love to. Okay, and even before we go, you mentioned the McManus and that a lot of people don't get down into it. Right now, down in there is every brilliant thing. What can you tell us about 
that. Well, again, you know, like I love that studio. So I'm always looking for plays that um, uh, celebrate the the uniqueness of it. So Rebecca Northam will know people will know her um, from Blind Date, which she starred in here a couple of seasons ago. It was extraordinary. Um, there's this brand new piece, uh, a couple of years old, that's been going around the world. So we're doing it with Rebecca, one person show, but it she tells the story of uh, she tells the story of this woman who lives with um, uh, grew up with a mother who had depression and suicidal thoughts all the time. And so she realized the way to survive that was to make a list of brilliant things. First, she started with a thousand brilliant things. So it's like the color that the pattern on your, your, your sweater or a wedding ring or the rain on a you know, on a cool day. So it's the idea that we have to always appreciate and believe in what we remember those brilliant things that are the reason we're on the planet. So that's the premise. But it's done in McManus in the round, so the audience surrounds her. And there's um, a really kind of amazing interaction that happens. So audience members, without giving away too much, but there are participation elements to the show that are part of the script. It's not an improv. It's actually scripted. But a very simple um, thing is some of the brilliant things are handed out to the audience members. So when she calls out a number, if she says, I'm thinking about 42 and somebody can say, um, you know, cereal, having cereal with my daughter. And, and then she just says, and so we all go, ah, my daughter. And then she moves on. So, but you don't know who's going to say it. You don't know how it's going to work. So and that would be unique to every single time yeah. the show happens. And she doesn't even know where they're sitting because of how she hands it out. So it's like, oh, you're over here. Hi, cereal with your daughter. That's cool. That's everybody like that, right? So, it, it, but it's about community. It's also the other thing. It's all about community and coming together. So it's a very heartwarming. You know, in the in the in the shadow of this sad story it's a heart very heartwarming way of remembering what life is worth living for and all the brilliant things that we have the grand theater has always been great at involving young people in this community and giving them quite an outlet, quite an opportunity. Again, we're talking about mental health awareness this week and certainly today, and you look at what it means to be part of a production, what that does, how uplifting that is. Megan O'Hara is the Education and Outreach Coordinator here at the Grand Theatre, and you've got something called Juno's Reward coming up. What is Juno's reward, first of all? Yeah, well, I think first I'm going to tell you a little bit about 100 Schools, which is a program that we've done for a couple years here uh, at the theater, where we take a uh, professional-level play and we bring it out to 100 schools in the community. So Hence the name. people would remember past performances then? Yeah, absolutely. A couple of years ago, we did a show called uh, Beethoven Lives Upstairs, visited 100 schools. Um, so what happens is at no cost to the school, we pack everything in the van, we leave from the theater in the morning, they do a show in the morning, they put everything back in the van, they go to another school in the afternoon, put it back in the van, uh, and come back. <laughs> so they're setting up in two school gyms every single day. Whoa. Uh, it's amazing. We, we get to see our students... Uh, about 33,000 students get to see the show over the course of the tour, which takes a couple months. Um, it's such a wonderful opportunity for young people to sort of get a first intro to theater. Yeah. yeah. Because a lot of times, unless you seek it out, it doesn't usually come and find you. You're, yeah. you're going to find it. Yeah, exactly. We are going out to find it. We're dropping it in their gym and we're <laughs> saying, please come watch this. It'll cost you nothing. And uh, hopefully it'll be a like, good first you know, interaction with art if you haven't gotten the opportunity to 
see something like that before. Do you wind up hearing from kids about, hey, how, how can I do that? How, how do I get involved? Yeah, absolutely. So when we come around to doing things like the high school project where we do directly involve high school students in producing a play, absolutely. We, we've we gotten applicants who said, oh, I saw, saw this show at my school. Uh, I think it was called Beethoven Lives Upstairs or it was about Beethoven. Um, so yeah, we do see that response. And after we visit the schools, we ask them to send them to send us uh, whatever feedback in whatever form that their students can create. So the last time around, we got drawings and stories and words and descriptions and photos and all kinds of things. So the response to it is huge. So 100 schools, and yeah. it starts to tour very soon. Yes, it starts uh, February 21st, okay. and it'll tour through until mid-May. And how do you find 100 schools within a distance to go <laughs> It would sound like you'd be going across the country to find 100 schools. Well, we're very lucky in this area because our school boards are incredibly large. They cover a huge amount of area. So we'll be going, you know, an hour out of town and we'll still be within uh, the two school boards. So that's how we find them. By the end of this uh, second run of the tour, we will have visited all of the schools in the area in both of the boards, which and is a huge achievement. What are you bringing this year? Yeah, Great. Uh, we're bringing a show called uh, Juno's Reward. So I think everybody will remember that we had the Junos here last year in London. It was very exciting. Uh, so this play comes out of the idea that a girl who happens to be named Juno is inspired by the Juno Awards when they're in London. She's a lover of Canadian music. She loves making music. And her brother is also a, mu a musician, and he's up for the Juno Breakthrough Artist of the Year Award. And that's what she wants for herself, too. She wants to become... A, a big music star uh, but she's still in school uh, and at her school there's a new custodian uh, and he's also lover of Canadian music uh, and they sort of connect and they share a song together he shares a song uh, that he's written with Juno and then you know the bell rings she needs to go to class and oh no Juno has an assignment to write an original song and she's forgotten to do it so in the rush she kind of plagiarizes this new custodian's song, uh, and that leads to a whole bunch of consequences that you'll have to come see Juno's Reward if you want to find out how it all susses out. But it's this great story of you know a young girl's love of music and a love of Canadian music. Megan O'Hara with us, Education and Outreach Coordinator here at the Grand Theatre, and I think we're all kind of doing the math on this. Uh, the Junos were just here kind of less than a year ago now and yet this production has been written and worked out and performed and is now ready to go yes absolutely so we have somebody very very talented here at the theater uh, named Megan Watson she's our artistic associate and she's been working away uh, she's our key playwright for this she's been writing the play um, and she will also be directing it uh, for this tour that's phenomenal it is. okay what else do kids need to know young people need to know about the grand and, and I, maybe how they can get involved. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing I think to mention is that Juno's Reward, in addition to touring a bunch of schools in the area and visiting a bunch of new schools, um, will also be here at the theater on the McManus stage during March break. So if you don't have any plans yet for March break, parents, students, uh, come see Juno's Reward here at the Grand Theater. Uh, the other thing that I think uh, people can know about is the high school project. So once you, once you get to, uh, if you're going into grade 9 in September, uh, you're eligible to apply for the high school project. The high school project is not just uh, open for performers. We also take students in 
wardrobe, uh, props, stage management, scenic art, all of these sort of different areas uh, that you can become involved in the high school project. And if you're interested in that, you should keep your eye on uh, our website and our social media through the spring where we'll be announcing some things. Are there auditions for things like this or is it more of a, hey, if you're interested, we can find you a spot? Uh, we definitely audition and take uh, applications, but we try to fit in. You know, usually we have about 75 students involved, so we try to bring in as many people as possible. So even if you're not sure, even if you've never done it before, you should absolutely apply. What's it like seeing the connection between productions and young people these days who you know are shown videos all the time or who are busy now vine 2 has launched i'm not even sure if it's called vine 2 and i'm thinking really we have to go back to the six seconds of stuff and i know it takes a lot of brilliance and creativity to make something worth watching that's only six seconds long but to be involved in in a much longer and much better produced you know production what is it like to kind of make that connection for young people right yeah i think there's something really important about the uh tactileness and the presence of live theater that there are real people in front of you uh performing and you know uh communicating to you using emotion using art uh right in front of you and it's not it's not through the sort of um you know through the screen or through you know it's not at a distance at all they're right there and one of the great things about 100 schools is that we always have a Q&A after every performance so it's an opportunity for uh, young people to really connect with the artists and find out what it's like so i think that's really important for things like you know building empathy building a love of art building compassion towards the world i think that sort of uh close proximity of interaction is really really important a lot of that's kind of been directed away for one reason or another and now it's nice to see that that it's being brought back you're making it so easy it's just (laughs) being brought to a hundred schools in the area and that will start in february and you said it takes a couple months to get through yeah we'll finish up in mid-may okay yeah a few months on the road just in time for june and the end of the year so well megan Congratulations on another production and uh, and a fantastic work by Megan Watson, who is here in the crowd with us today, as a matter of fact. But all the best and, and enjoy the first visit and uh, the countdown's about to start. Oh, thank you. We mentioned that we were outside the McManus studio, which, as Dennis Garnham pointed out, you have to know is here and you have to take advantage of because it has some amazing performances and productions that go on. And right now, every brilliant thing, which has been extended to February 8th, is in there. And every brilliant thing has kind of prompted the creation of a wall, which has a whole collection of brilliant things. I still like Huey Lewis. Runny butter tarts? Aren't any butter tarts good? Do they have to be runny? And we counted at least six of our next guest, and I'm sure there will be more. But in terms of the actual production, it's been extended until February the 8th. And you know what it does? It's designed to remind you of kind of the ups and downs of living, that that is just kind of the normal part of what we're doing going around on this spinning blue ball and the brilliant things worth remembering. And Rebecca has been one of those people who has been able to bring this to life. Rebecca, what's that been like? Oh, my gosh. It's been a real privilege. Um, You know, I've done a lot of theater over the last 30 years, and I have to say that the writing on this piece is beautiful. 
And what makes it different maybe from other productions you've been a part of? Well, this is a solo performance, so I'm the only actor up there. Uh, however, it also involves a little bit of what I would call light audience participation. So as the story unfolds, any extra characters that come up in the story are um, uh, given to people in the audience to play. And Dennis Garnham talked a little bit about that, where people will get numbers, and they've got to be paying attention. You might call their number at some point and, and need them to act. Uh, well, most of the people who get numbers get to stay in their seats, and it's a little bit like bingo. When you hear your number called, you just shout out what is on your card. So that's the other way to participate. Hopefully, I'm doing a good enough job that you paying attention isn't too tough. Well, you know what? You are, because like we said, of all the post-it notes outside the McManus right now, you are on six of them that we counted and counting. When you look at, at deciding to do something like this, and you look at getting up there knowing you're there by yourself, what is that process like? Well, it's a little bit of a lonely process. It was just myself and uh, my stage manager and uh, assistant stage manager and director in the room. Sometimes the um, the sound designer was with us, but you know it's it's a lot. It's a lot <laughs> for one person, but I also take great comfort in knowing that I get to play with members of the audience, and that uh, that makes it a real joy every night. How unpredictable does it become, and, and is that something that you can play off? I mean, this show and the interaction that happens with the audience is actually quite structured, and what's nice about that is it makes the invitation to someone who's being asked to stand up very simple and very clear. So there's only, there isn't a lot of ways. It's not like a pure improv uh, situation where who knows what's going to happen. The, the outline of the expectations are clear. And people are great. You know, they understand where they fit into the story. And I am wonderfully surprised by how perfect people are every night. Isn't that amazing? We're talking with Rebecca Northern, who stars in Every Brilliant Thing, which is on stage now here at the Grand, and it's been extended through February 8th. So you still have time to get here, see this, be a part of the production. Let's talk a little bit as well about what you've been up to. You run your own company, so I can't even imagine the hectic schedule that you would normally keep, and then running your own company on top of that. What has that been, been like as an experience? for you it's a it's a, an intersection of madness that I'm pretty comfortable with um, because I've been running my own company for 10 years and at the same time managing my individual career as an actor so I kind of like the juggling of it and it's nice to know that while I'm in um, London doing a show that my other production blind date is happening at the high performance rodeo in Calgary and I'm just about to go into prep for a new project called An Undiscovered Shakespeare, which we actually did a workshop run of at the Grand uh, in London last fall, and it's been picked up by the Stratford Festival. So we're taking improv to Stratford, uh, and that's coming up in the summer. So it's good variety for me. Do you set yourself a quota of saying, okay, this is the most I can be involved in at any one time? <laughs> I haven't yet. I'll let you know if it ever happens. 
<laughs> in terms of what you have been able to do in, in directing and being a playwright and running a company and in still being kind of front and center on stage, could you have imagined when you were younger and maybe looking to get into this that all of those things would become a part of your life? Did you have one thing in mind that you wanted to do? No. Well, I suppose when I was quite young and at, at university and studying acting, I thought I would grow up to just be a theater actor. But right before I graduated, I had a professor who sat me down and said, you're never going to be just an actor, Rebecca. And, I, and the very young me was a little bit offended. And I thought, maybe she doesn't think I'm talented enough to just be an actor. Uh, but she was prophetic, and she saw something in me that I didn't see in myself that has come true, which is I like wearing lots of different hats. You know, I love telling stories, um, and I'm okay if I'm doing that as an actor or a playwright or a producer or a creator. Uh, at the end of the day, I just like entertaining other people. Have you ever talked to that professor since? Oh, yes. Yes, we've had a good laugh about how she knew more about me than I did. <laughs> but that's what happens when you have a good mentor. <laughs> that's amazing. Now, in terms of, of every brilliant thing and, and you know what people will see and, and what people will experience, we mentioned the side of things that, uh, that kind of deals with mental health, and this, this looks at the ups and downs of life, ups and downs of, of living. That rhythm, you know, is that something that, that you find easy to convey, difficult to convey? How would you put it? Well, the writing in the piece is so beautiful because it does not shy away from the truth of people suffering from depression or at times in their lives feeling suicidal. So that's very much on the table. But what it does so beautifully is it says, um, here are, here's the bright side of life. Here are the small things that you can notice moment to moment to moment that start to add joy to your life and appreciation and gratitude. And so at the end of the day, you know, once you've, you've sat through a performance of Every Brilliant Thing, you're le you leave the theater with a very uplifted uh, spirit, I think. We are talking with Rebecca Northern, and Rebecca is performing right now in Every Brilliant Thing on stage at the Grand, but also has a number of other projects going, and you can catch her just, just about anywhere, even you know behind the scenes in front of things. Now, Rebecca, with regard to doing something like this, did it cause you to kind of sit back and, and maybe look at the brilliant things in your life in that way? Oh, Absolutely. I think it's impossible to read the script or experience it without doing that. Um, you know, I'm standing to you. I'm, I'm standing in my kitchen while I'm talking to you right now, and I'm looking at my new tea towels and going, "Oh, I have such a little thrill of the, how beautiful the color is and the artwork on them." And mm, I love them so much. Maybe I don't want to dry dishes with them. I'll have to decide later. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that kind of thing. We don't we don't let ourselves get to that kind of thing, do we? We're always picking up a phone and trying to find brilliant things on somebody else's feed somewhere when uh, when tea towels can do it. <laughs> That's right. I read recently that you know we we need to stop thinking about happiness as a destination. I will feel happy when X arrives or when I do this, and really think of it more as a practice, right? A thing that I can notice moment to moment. 
I'm so happy that my floors are clean, <laughs> you know, or I'm so happy that the sun came up today. I mean, there's a, there is a lot to celebrate to, uh, as an antidote to the, the things about life that we all deal with that are, are harder. Well, what a great message to be conveying. We want to thank you, Rebecca, for being with us today and for taking time to perform here at the Grand Theater. We're lucky to have you, and hopefully we'll get to talk again. Oh, I look forward to that. I love playing London. It's uh, my favorite audiences, and the Grand is such a great place that I'm always happy to come back. When you walk in the doors, what is, what, how, tell us how it compares and, and the little things that you like it about it. Well, the team that runs the Grand, Deb Harvey and, um, and Dennis Garnham, I think are an amazing duo. Uh, the programming that they're doing uh, is really inspiring artistically. And the other thing is, you, the moment you walk through the doors, when you meet those people that are ushering, those volunteers, or you meet the people at the box office, you can feel immediately that this is a really vibrant, exciting, healthy building to be in. And that theater, the street stage, you know, if you're seeing something upstairs, is one of the most beautiful theater spaces in the country. It is, it is wow. like sitting, for me, it, it, there's the wonder of sitting in a space that has history. And I think about, you know, the, the Canadian talent that has graced that stage over the years, then it becomes a privilege to sit in the audience or to walk on the, those boards. And then the work that's happening downstairs in the McManus is a little bit edgier and it's experimental and it's risky. And so that's a really nice um, thing to be adding to the repertoire there. I mean, it's a pretty, it's a really great place to work. If Dennis and Deb would have me, I'd be there all the time. London would get <laughs> tired of my face. I don't think we get tired of you, but you know what? I, and I'm I'm sorry if I put you on the spot with that question. I was thinking that as soon as I asked that, that oh, I'm going to put her on the spot. But that's an amazing answer, and I just thought you're somebody who's seen theaters all over the place and and has dealt with people all over the place. I'd love to kind of pick your brain on it. So thanks for letting us do that. No problem, anytime. And anytime you want to co-host, I'll get up early and drive and come and hang out with you. Yes, we're going to take you up on that, <laughs> Rebecca. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Rebecca Northern in her kitchen with her tea towels that may or may not be washing or drying dishes later on today because that's just one of those brilliant things that you look at and say, yeah, that's the thing that's got me today. That's I love what she said, too, the idea of we keep thinking of happiness as a destination where I will be happy when this arrives, when I get here, instead of just appreciating it when it just does happen. I love that. You've been listening to the London Live podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3.